Welcome to the Pregnancy Without Fear podcast. These podcasts are here to help you minimize your fear of childbirth. Too many women go through pregnancy being worried, anxious, or fearful. Well, I'll be sharing tips with you so you can have the mind of knowing. Did you know that fear is about not knowing? When you know, fear is minimized. It then means you can enjoy your pregnancy, looking forward to your childbirth experience. You are listening to Pregnancy Without Fear podcasts with Delia Mohammed. Yes, it's that time again where we have a Pregnancy Without Fear podcast with your host, I am your host, Adelia Mohammed, and yes, it's, it's a, one of those times where, where we've got the, the whole month of March as International Women's Month. Some people have said to me it's a week, some people have said to me it's a day. Um, whatever it is, it's International Women's Month, and we're looking at all different areas in which things affect women, whether negatively or positively. Well, I'm going to share with you an interesting and very intriguing interviewee, I think. Her name is Dr. Shalena Bogard. I know she'll correct me with her name again because she's got a very unusual way of spelling her name. And so naturally we'll, we'll be calling on her, calling her in different ways. But Dr. Bogard is a, a board certified physician, an intimacy coach, and a speaker. And she's devoted her career to helping men, women, and and couples overcome struggles in intimacy and sexual function so they can reignite the sparks in their relationships. And with her five must-haves of sexual um, wellness, Dr. Bogard has helped many clients regain the confidence and vitality to enjoy intimacy like never before. She's the founder of Inter Me Health, a global brand whose mission is to make sex a healthy conversation and bring healing to those with the hidden scars of past sexual trauma and dysfunction. In hosts a suite of educational and coaching experiences, along with powerful life-renewing retreats for those ready to be brilliantly confident, energetic and passionate individuals they know themselves to be. Dr. Bogard welcomes you to join her on her path of self-discovery to unlock the buried desires you dare not to say aloud. What you unleash in your bedroom, you unleash in your entire life. And her question is, how powerful do you want your life to be? If you do the work, she'll help you get there. And it's time for you to get your sexy back. Welcome, Dr. Bogart. Thank you. How are you? I am wonderful. Lovely. And we know that you're very, very busy, and we really do appreciate you taking this time to chat with us today. Oh, no, I appreciate right. you having me on. I just find it very intriguing what you do, and I've been following you and looking at what you do and how you share it with couples and how couples, you know, are attracted to you based upon what you do. And I thought it'd be lovely just to have you on one of our Pregnancy Without Fear podcasts so that if there are any issues that couples may have, especially after pregnancy, 
you know, they can have a go-to place or a go-to person, you know, that they can relate to. And so Mm -hmm. it's really, I want to leave, put the ball in your court and allow you to just share. Thank you. Thank you. Well, um, you know, what I, like you said, I specialize, I'm an OBGYN by training, which, you know, by nature of that, I see a lot of pregnant women day in and day out. And, um, you know, in, in our field, we do a lot to help women get pregnant, help women through the pregnancy, help women through the delivery. But where we miss the ball sometimes is in supporting women in their actual intimate relationships during and after the pregnancy, because there's so many dynamics that go on. And we take for granted that if she, you know, the woman had a healthy, intact relationship, that it's going to survive the process of birthing this new person into the world and then Mm. and putting this new person into your relationship. And so, um, and it's so important. Um, Do do you have feedback? Because I have a little bit of feedback. How's that sound? Okay, it's a little better. Um, So, but what we do know is that when women have healthy, intimate relationships, when she has support, when she has a healthy relationship, her pregnancy is better. She has less postpartum depression and her bonding with the baby is better. And so when we can support that relationship, in addition to the things we do to the pregnancy, we're actually helping that mother overall long-term. And so it is important that we start you know, looking at this, her intimate relationships, just as much as we look at all the other things we take care of during pregnancy. I do find that when it comes to pregnancy, sex is an issue more for the male than it is for the pregnant one. And how do the, how, what has your experience been with men whose partners are expecting? And then naturally, if the partner is not into it at that time how do men how do men deal with that for those nine months oh you know I um, I don't get a whole lot from the male perspective I get right I get the the females interpretation of the male perspective so I don't get it firsthand Um, very few times have I actually heard from the men and uh, most of the men that I have actually spoken to one number one they are supportive so if he's coming to those post um, those prenatal visits, that in and of itself says he's most likely going to be supportive of her in this pregnancy, and he wants everything you know what's best for her. Mm-hmm. So in those instances, it he um, they have shown you know they're supportive, they understand like in the first trimester she's just tired, right? and they get it, um, because, and they may not be able to truly empathize, but they've heard, and so. But then, um, and then her changing body of the pregnancy progresses. And what becomes the main concern that I've heard expressed by men is they don't want to hurt her, hurt the woman, hurt the baby. Yes. And that's their concern. Am I going to harm her? Am I going to do something, you know, that's going to be harmful? Is it, I, you know, that area is really, really strong because for the couples that I connect with as well, that is the issue that the mother will feel that baby will be affected or, you know, will be hurt by the intimacy, even though the husband may want that intimacy. So if you're dealing with the women all the time, what ways can they avoid or minimize that fear to be able to enjoy 
intimacy whilst they're pregnant? Well, first, education goes a long way. And I think oftentimes we take for granted that people know and people don't know. And just having that conversation and the educational component of saying the baby's in the end, the way I usually describe it is I'll tell the patients, imagine having this small little baby in a huge Olympic sized swimming pool. That's essentially what this baby is inside of the uterus. And so it's anything you do, you know, the baby's just jostling around in the swimming pool. It's very unlikely that anything's going to directly impact and harm the baby. Mm -hmm. But giving her that reassurance. And then as her body starts to change, talking her through different positions that she can use as, you know, because at some point she may not be able to be comfortable lying on her back or, and so we have to talk through different positions. And so supporting her in that way, and then in discussing the changes she's going to experience, especially those who've had babies before and may have had a um, injury in their perineum and, the discomfort that can come with that because during the pregnancy with the change in the hormones, you know, that tissue becomes even more sensitive and can tear and be uncomfortable. And so supporting her in those ways, but again, reassuring and that baby's going to be fine. It's like something has to truly hurt you before it can hurt the baby. Mm. Um, And, but reassuring that the baby is fine and having her express and, exactly what her concerns are to make sure that in the conversation that I'm addressing her exact concerns, as opposed to me saying what I think, you know, she's, she's concerned about. Right. And what ways would you say would be the best way for her to be able to continue this? Is, are there programs that you do or, you know, cause I, I've got, I've got here that you do retreats what are the retreats like? Fine. It's the retreats are more for for sexual wellness for women, um, uh, wellness in general, and things like that. We maybe down the road there'll be some others, but right now those are along the lines of women empowerment, so to say. Um, but they encompass um, sexual discussions and things of that nature. But right. But, um, but in the as far as the patient education in the office, I am in my practice. I've always worked with nurse midwives, which has been a godsend because nurse midwives they they're they're a special breed, and um, mm. and they have always been actually very helpful in offering kind of the you know the the, the tools that doctors don't always think of. And so that's been a benefit for me of being able to work directly with nurse midwives and have their input on some things. But um, as far as the the woman in in educating her, giving her actual printed materials that show different um, positions that can be utilized. And that's actually one of the things I am I started creating and I think I'm going to finish as an ebook on how to, you know, your changing body and how to evolve your intimate relationship as your body evolves during the pregnancy. Um, and that's okay. an ebook that I'm working on. How, how many years have you been doing this? Um, well, I've been, I finished residency in 2010. So just over what, 10 years, 11 years. And I started um, focusing primarily on sexual health in 2017. And would you say that this is better than 
working in the hospital as you were as an as a an obstetrician? Um, well, I still work in the hospital. I do locums work, and so I still work in the hospital delivering babies. Um, okay. Yeah, so I, I still do it, and um, but it's different. Um, it's just a different reward. So it's, as you know, it's always rewarding to be a part of delivering a baby because it's just, it's bringing a new life into the world. And for so many who have tried for so long, it's just, it's just an exciting time to be a part of that. Mm. But when it comes to sexual health, especially when it comes to women who are a little bit older or who may have a history of some injury or chronic disease where they have not been able to be intimate for you know, some amount of time, yes, that can be debilitating for them. That can cause depression. It can cause them to withdraw from their partner or to leave a relationship altogether. I've seen it all. I've had women who've come in who haven't had sex in eight to 10 years. And, and, Mm. and it's, you can see the hopelessness. Like I've tried this, I've tried that, I've tried this and nothing has helped. And so when you can take these women who've essentially lost hope in having an intimate relationship and you can restore that you can yes. see it's almost as though you've given them their life back and I can I've had clients who I had one I always tell her story but she sent me um when she'd come to me and you know, she had um she had a chronic condition lichen sclerosis which can be debilitating over time and when right. she first came to me, she'd been to, you know, I'm an OBGYN, so I know what she'd been offered and what treatment she had in the past. And, and you know, as you know, we don't really have anything that gets rid of lichen sclerosis. We just kind of bear, you deal with the symptoms, but we do the steroids, but the steroids make the condition worse. And so um, over time, her vagina was scarred off. And so she was unable to have intercourse at all, but she ended up ending losing a 10-year relationship because she hadn't been able to truly have um, relations in eight years. So when she came to me, she, you know, she's like, you know, I heard from a friend that, you know, you do this and I'm just hoping that you can do something to help me. And so, you know, we did our consultation and I said, I think I can help you. It's going to take some time, but, you know, be patient. And to make a long story short, three months later, she was able to have intercourse and which was good, you know, I was happy for that. But yes. what really made me happy was about six weeks, six to eight weeks after that, she sent me a text message and it was a picture of her and her new boyfriend. They were going to Florida for the weekend. And she said, thank you for giving me my life back. Because oh, when wow. she came to me, what she said to me when she came was what man wants to be with a woman who can't have sex. So she'd mm. given up on relationships. And, and so it's just a different level of, you know, being able to be a part of something that's impactful in a person's life. There's, it's very rewarding to bring babies into the world, but this is, it's just, it's a different level of reward. It is, isn't it? And I I do find when I was, um, well, I'm a midwife, but when I was a doula, I used to find a lot of couples would be at each other's throats really when it came to sex because obviously mum's going through something based upon the birth experience and the husband doesn't really understand what she's gone through as far as he's concerned she's had a baby exactly she's fine 
So we should just get on with things. But it's really not that way for the female because she's gone through hours and hours and hours of labour. Exactly. And she's going through mental turmoil all the way through because she doesn't know exactly how it's going to end up. And if it does end up with trauma, it's not just physical trauma, it's mental trauma as well. Right. And as obviously we can't see that, can we? We only see the physical. So we see that she's had a tear or we see, you know, her stomach is now flat, even though it might be flabby or, you know, she's had a lot of drugs because she's had a cesarean section. All the, these things the, we can see. The big shift in the hormones, which we underscore how much of an impact there is just from the shift in the hormones. And if she's, if she's breastfeeding, that just compounds it. Mm. I just, I really, this is really intriguing because it's not something that is spoken about. You know, it's always about mother and baby. Mm -hmm. So we speak of mainly about the baby when she's pregnant and then after she's with she's had the baby we talk about mother and baby mm -hmm. but then we don't talk about relationships exactly we just focus on the fact that she's got a baby baby's fine alive and well mother's alive and well and that's it so just get on with life but then the getting on with life is really like a new start exactly and then when you think about it when when women come in for that postpartum check and we're screening them for depression. We, even if you look at our, the postpartum, well here in, in the States, our postpartum um, screening tool, it only evaluates the mother and the mother's relationship with the baby. There are really no yes. questions that ask about the relationship with the partner. Yeah, yeah. That, and that is so crucial. I myself, I've, I've been concerned about the fact that when they have their appointments at hospitals the doctors will always focus on mother and baby and not really speak to the husband so then I think but he's the first supporter mm -hmm. he is the one that gets up in the middle of the night when she can't sleep very well or when she's vomiting or when she's craving for something um, to eat so why not speak to him and ask him, what, what's your view? What, what have you seen? But that doesn't seem to happen. So even after a woman has given birth, depending upon how many hours and how the birth was, there's just as much trauma um, affecting this male, this, the father, as well as the mother, even though she's the one that was the carrier. Mm -hmm. And I actually feel that what you're doing really helps because there's always going to be a, a time in their relationship where they're going to think, I'd like to have another child mm -hmm. or we would like to have another child. Yes. But if their sexual relationship has not been fantastic after the first birth or the, after the birth, then how do they work that out? Exactly. There's a, um, I was actually speaking to another friend the other night that within two years of living together, one third of all couples, couples become sexless. And you know, the friend's like, well, well how, well, how does that happen? And it's, like, it's exactly the dynamics like this. They have a baby and no one deals with the things that occur around having a baby. And so then they just become two partners cohabitating, raising this child together. Yes. 
Yes. Mm. And this is, you know, that's just how it happens is little things, normal life occurrences that affect the dynamics of the relationship. And, and the couple may not always have the tools or just just the energy expenditure it takes to try to re just reformulate how they interact together because as new things you know new jobs and new things come along every time these new things impact their lives well it also impacts their relationship mm. and i think a baby is probably the biggest thing you can throw into a relationship yes, oh. yes. so how do you do your sessions is it one-to-one with with women or is it a group or or do you do both um so typically so it's one-to-one usually every now and then it's with my with the older couples it's usually believe it or not with the older ones sometimes it's the male who reaches out to me about his wife because he's seen me on social media or somewhere and which is I, I'm finding I get I get a lot of men who reach out to me because we we you know we make it okay for men to discuss their sexual issues but we don't make it okay for women to discuss them. Mm, and so that's um, I do when it's the older couples, but as far as the younger ones, it's the one-on-one visits when they come in and asking them you know what's going on. I don't do a lot of office work now um, because. I mean, as far as I like, I don't do office obstetrics or anything like that. And so when people come to me in this realm, they're coming specifically for this reason. And um, so it's starting like anything else with a complete history and looking over everything, their medical history, any surgeries, looking at medications they're taking, going over, you know, psychological things and how they just the confidence that they have in themselves evaluating the relationship itself and the, the environment. It's like looking at everything, doing a complete history and physical of their, it's like a sexual inventory, intimacy inventory, and then addressing, because you think about it like this, if a woman comes in, like the patient I spoke about just a few minutes ago, well, she's had mm-hmm. this long standing history of sex and pain. So her brain knows that when I'm touched intimately, that is painful which sets her up to have pelvic floor dysfunction, which is, you know, a very painful. So even when we correct the condition, that psychological connection to sex and pain is still there. So Mm. we have to do the work to break that pattern on top of doing the physical. We've still got to do the emotional and the psychological work. And sometimes like for her, it is, um, we talked about because she wasn't dating at the time, but we talked about once she got a new partner, these are, you know, how to have that conversation about um, entering into intimate relationships and going, you know, steps to getting back to intercourse so that it, it's like almost reconditioning her body, reconditioning it so that it became pleasurable again. Mm. Um, but mostly it's usually one-on-one and, um, and, you know, and I will say, but with the older one, sometimes it's the male who reaches out and, you know, okay, can you help my wife? Wow. That's it's, And I, I think I'm sure you know it as well. I mean, obviously men are much more sexual, um, especially when a woman is pregnant, because what I found with a lot of males that I don't know if you know this particular research, I mean, this is months, years ago, maybe, I remember um, reading about 
a couple of men were asked to look at two pictures of the same woman mm -hmm. and they were to choose the picture that they thought they would be attracted to. And they all chose the picture of the woman when she was ovulating. They didn't know this. So they were asked, well, why did you choose that face and not this one? And they said, well, that face, she looks old, she looks pale, she looks grey. Whereas this one, her face is really lovely, her skin's smooth. And, and the doctor said to them, the faces that you chose were actually of the same woman in when she was ovulating. And I just found that intriguing because I'm thinking... I've heard of men saying that they were would be attracted to pregnant women. And I found that quite strange, actually. But <laughs> it's something that I just found, you know, the hormones, when it works in the female, has an attraction to the male. Are you there? Can you hear me? Uh, can you hear me? I there. can. You went off. Yeah. Okay, I don't bit. know what happened. Um, <laughs> I know. Don't worry. No, but um, so yeah, I, I think that would be some. I would really love to read about that. Just to, that's very intriguing. Yeah, if I find it, I'll, I'll, I'll try and send it to you. But I just found it really intriguing that, you know, um, the scientists were just looking at what face they saw. Just one woman, but two different mm -hmm. faces of the same person. And they chose the one where she was ovulating. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. But, I mean, it makes sense. Um, if it you does, think about it? nature, it's when exactly. yeah, they, the animals know. <laughs> isn't it yeah i just i just think um what you're doing is very very i i think it's so needed yeah because we do overlook that we all once the baby's born that's it we expect everyone just to get on with it exactly parents and, and there's so much more as you said earlier on psychologically um that needs to be dealt with can I just ask in relation to women who may have been sexually abused at some point mm -hmm. in their life, does that come up quite a lot or is it just one or two? You know? um, as you know, it's really common, very common, especially in people who have sexual dysfunction. And um, a lot of times it may not be, I mean, rarely is it the reason that a person comes in but right. in going over their history, there's an element of sexual trauma, which affects the woman's relationship with sex. Because we'll find that so many women are having what we call trauma sex. And, and this goes into, right. you know, when I start talking about the personal development and the coaching and stuff is um, the things that women go through emotionally, things that they've experienced in their past that are showing up currently in their relationships mm. and how they are connecting with their partners. And how do you get many couples who, by doing what you feel 
is best for them. It has been successful. And for those who don't think it's successful, do you feel that possibly they find other ways? Well, so if there's someone who truly has um, deep psychological issues and things that need to be done, I typically, those I would refer to a professional psychologist because I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist. What I typically tell people is I can help you if you, you know, are you have a relationship, the relationship is healthy and you want, like, if it's a couple, I'm like, you have to like one another. If there's some issues in the relationship that I'm not a marriage counselor, I'm not a relationship counselor. And so, and I, you know, there are people who are better equipped and better trained to manage that. Um, but when it comes to say someone who recognizes that I've had, you know, these things going on and then we identify, Oh, well, we have this element of sexual trauma. If, if she's still, deep psychologically deeply impacted by it and there's you can see the the pain and it's especially if it's happened recently and you know then she may need to see a counselor but if it's something that yeah it happened to me but I've dealt with it worked through it but I didn't realize it's showing up in my relationship then that's yeah we can talk through that and coach through that through that that is so lovely I, I just love what you do and it must be quite intriguing to hear the different stories and how they came together and their history together, etc. Because it then gives you an idea of what it's like in the general mm. public, isn't it? Because you must be walking down the road and seeing couples together thinking, I wonder if... You know, it's so funny. It's like... Um... I, it's sometimes I wonder, I'm like, is it like, is it written all over my face or something? Like I was sitting on an airplane one day and I get this a lot. Like people will just start telling me stuff about their sex life or their relationships. I was on an airplane one day, just minding my own business. And this young man who's sitting across the aisle from me, probably about 22, 23. And he turns to me and he's like, you know, can I just, can I just talk? I just feel like I need to talk to you. And he starts telling me all this stuff about, you know, his sex life with his girlfriend and the issues he was having. And he doesn't know what to do. And can I help him? Oh my <laughs> you know, God. So I'm like, is it just written on my forehead? And people are like, she looks like I can talk to her. <laughs> but, wow. I, I mean, no, no, this was on, I, was, I just sat, we were on an airplane, like, Complete strangers, complete strangers. But it's, I will say it no. happens. I, I think, so I pride myself in creating a, like in my office, creating a safe space for a very uncomfortable discussion. And yes. because what happens yes. in medicine, there's a couple of things. What, number one, we, we are human. Physicians are humans. And as much as people, you know, some of us think we're God and people think we're robots. At the end of it, we're humans. Mm. And we have our own relationship with our sexual past, which may be impacted by community, which may be impacted by religion, which may be impacted by family, which may be impacted by experience. So some of us have hurt, guilt, shame associated with sex that when a patient brings the topic up, even though we don't say it, they can see it on our face. And the minute yes. a patient sees yes. that, they shut down. Mm. And, and that's, it's already a difficult topic for people to bring up. And the moment they sense any level of angst in you, it's, it, it, it's like they, you, know, you can see it. They sink back in. And so my goal was to create a space where 
hey, this is all we talk about. You know, I can we talk about this just like we talk about all the other stuff. And I make it a safe and, and sometimes fun and we laugh and because you have to have some laughter in it. And, of um, and the other thing is I wanted to create a space of what I call it an integrated approach to managing intimacy so that you don't have mm-hmm. to come to the doctor for the physical and then go somewhere else for the counseling. And the, it's like in medicine, we make people yes. about parts. And unfortunately, all the providers right. don't speak the same language. And yes. so in creating a space yes. where as much as I can, we can handle everything in one place. And if I have to, it, like in the instance of someone who has some really deep seated trauma that needs a psychologist, refer you to someone again, who's on the same page. Mm-hmm. And, um, but creating an integrated approach as opposed to just managing your physical or just, you know, and that's the, the part that's missing, I think, in managing sexual health as an industry Altogether, we have people who manage the psychological, people who manage the physical, people who manage the relationship, people who manage, but no one who brings it all together. Right. Yeah. Which and it's important. No, I, I think um, what you do is fantastic, and I'm not going to hold you any longer because. You have things to do. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> and I just really wanted to just, you know, touch base with you, really, because um, I've been watching your your um, lives, and I just found you very, very interesting. And I just thought it'd be beautiful to speak with you, and to have our listeners have an, an ear Thank on you. who you are. Shirley, can you tell me um, just? Your website, how can people contact you if, if they wanted to speak with you or book with you? Can you hear me now? I can. As I was saying, on okay. social media, you can, um, just by my name, Dr. Sherlina Bogard, D-R-S-H-Y-R-L-E-N-A Bogard, B-O-G-A-R-D. And that's on Instagram and Facebook. Lovely. No, I, I honestly feel that... Um, at some point we're going to be touching base again and until that time I would just like to say and I just want to um because you're a nurse midwife we have a I don't know if you saw it on my social media coming up on Tuesday the 23rd um I'm partnered with Lana Kerr who's the owner of Luminous who makes a product specifically for women for sexual health called CO2 Lift V so we're doing a webinar event just for midwives and doulas for mid-level providers in obstetrics so if that's something you know you can attend or you have other midwives who would be interested and getting the information because we are going to talk about this topic specifically managing sexual wellness and I'm going to do a little bit of talk about hormones right. but I will do Please that send me yes, the link. that would be amazing send me the link I will do I that but thank you so very much yeah no thank you and you know to our listeners as you can see we have a beautiful um, doctor who's able to share and also help and support and guide um, any couple or anyone really who have children or have sexual intimacy problems that um, maybe we can't necessarily um, deal with ourselves. So why not contact our doctor if you have any issues? Um, And now that we're doing everything online, we have the opportunity to to at least... Skype, we can 
FaceTime, we can WhatsApp, <laughs> we can Zoom and be able to communicate. All right. But thank, thank you, you so much, Dr. Dr. Bogard. And um, have a safe trip wherever you may go and all your endeavors. We do, you know, we hope that um, thank you. you keep it up and at some point have a great team yes, around speak that you. Into existence. Speak that into existence. Speak into existence. Yes. yes. All right. You have an amazing right. day. Well, it's probably late. It's the evening for you. And you too. It will be, yeah, it's literally, yeah, evening now. It's, te- it's definitely All right. Dark well, have a now. nice night. So, and you too. Have a beautiful okay. afternoon, Bye-bye. evening. Okay. And Bye-bye. you take care. You have been listening to Pregnancy Without Fear podcast with me, Delia Mohammed. If you want more information from today's episode, you can find our show notes page at www.pregnancywithoutfear.com. Your vote of confidence and support means the world to me. Thanks so much for listening.